really Philadelphia is just a fancy Baltimore. Jason, what's the deal with Delaware anyway? Where did uh, Delaware come from? Uh, they were fast. I mean, their their big thing is uh, being the first state. So I guess they just beat everyone to the punch as far well, as uh, that was for signing. That was for signing the Constitution. They were the first ones yeah, to sign the Constitution. How did they even get to be in the position there? I thought they were just a chunk of Maryland. Uh, they really should be. Um, and I, I imagine that now their main their main object or their main ability to withstand any sort of um, border claim is um, a combination of just inertia and their uh, no tax laws, um, which I'm sure a lot of companies are probably pretty happy about. And um, also Dogfish Head. Yeah, but I mean that would be perfectly fine being in in Maryland. They have um, no. I mean they bribe people off with who would annex them. They say no, oh. don't do that. Here's Dogfish Head. I think technically, I think technically, DC Soccer LLC is a registered corporation in Delaware. There are numerous most corporations. To are, yeah. yeah, yeah. Delaware is where you should incorporate if you're going to incorporate. Uh, that's my legal advice for everyone listening. Stop it! <laughs> it is not legal advice. Don't Te- don't te- do that. Technically, that's where the Goat Svenskin is uh, legally registered. <laughs> This started and ended as the most ridiculous opening in this show's history. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I am Adam Taylor, joined uh, actually for the first time in a little while by both Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where you can find us writing about DC United, the U.S. national teams, and quite a bit more, actually. Uh, We've got a big show for you tonight, so we're going to try to get through it without... Uh, taking up, you know, your entire day. Uh, we're going to talk about DC United preseason. We're going to talk about the new secondary kit. We're going to talk about the CBA negotiations. We're going to talk about the U.S. national teams, men's and women's. We're going to do a lot of stuff tonight. But before we do any of it, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, as I was telling Ben before we came on, uh, I was eating dinner and watching Jeopardy and just sort of zoned out, and Jeopardy was ending, and I was still eating dinner and just sort of sitting there like I, like I had nothing important to be doing. Uh, and then I realized it at the last second, and I was running around like an idiot uh, trying to eat and make a drink at the same time. I ended up making a, uh, a white Russian, but it's in a pint glass, uh, so it's a large, uh, hefty white Russian. Um, the other thing that's throwing me is my ice cube maker appears to be spitting out ice cubes that are, like, melting already. They're not fully uh, frozen, so I don't know what that is about. That's a new problem that I just found out when I made this drink. Um, so now it's it's getting a little runny, if I'm being honest. It's a little watery. So you're, 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 a, you're drinking a, a very large, uh, diluted white Russian. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's still plenty of vodka and Kahlua. Um, it's really more of a, like, beige Russian, if I'm being honest. I'm not even going to try to make a joke. Ben, okay. what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> so I wanted to rep Virginia because I wanted to stand in solidarity with Old Ox Brewery against the abomination that is the Red Bull Company. But unfortunately, Old Ox does not distribute to... Uh, Richmond, Virginia. So, and I also failed them by going with wine instead of beer. So basically, I'm just a failure overall. But I went with uh, Chateau Morissette. They're from Southwest Virginia. I went with their uh, Black Dog Table Red Wine because I was in a wine mood. Well, by by being a fail, you are you are repping Virginia very well. Shots fired. Hey. Yes. Uh, that's awesome. I we went. Have- <laughs> 
<laughs> I went uh, very basic tonight. I'm just drinking bullet bourbon straight neat. Oh, I thought when you said basic, you meant you were going to like be drinking a pumpkin spice latte. I mean, you can call this whatever you want. It's delicious. <laughs> All right, guys, let's let's jump into it. DC United preseason has finished its first phase. Uh, they are the team has wrapped up their the Florida portion of their preseason. They're on their way to Austin, Texas, right now. In the three games they played down in Florida, though, uh, they scored a grand total of two goals and won no games. So they came out of it with no wins. And it's preseason. The idea is to get fit, to get minutes, to, to kind of build some chemistry. It's not necessarily to win games. But, but Ben, are you concerned at all that they, they managed to draw two of their three games, including one against a second division Swedish team in their own preseason, and, and also lose a game to Malmo? No, I'm not concerned at all. Um... Whenever DC United seems to have a successful preseason, I'm looking at you, 2010 in particular, when we all thought that Jaime Moreno was going to have a comeback amazing season. But yes, whenever they have a good preseason, they seem to have a terrible regular season. So, based on that, uh, on that principle, I'm not at all worried. I mean, I'd like to see them play a little better, obviously, especially with starters on the field, but no, not worried. Well, we, we do have to remember that, that not all the starters were on the field. Luis Silva obviously wasn't out there. Kitchen and Birnbaum weren't out there. Um, so y- a lot of starters were playing, granted. But... Sure. And one other thing I do want to see as kind of an aside, I mean, yes, I want to see Espindola and Pontius get a lot of playing time together, but I'd also like to see Pontius and whoever's going to actually start the league season with him uh, get a little time together at the begin- at, during this preseason. Yeah, that makes sense, and that 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 brings me brings me to the next point I wanted to bring up, which is Chris Pontius playing forward. He has started all three games up top with Fabiana Spindola, and has not touched the left side of midfield, which is where he spent most of his time before his most recent set of injuries. Jason, I asked you uh, last week if this was something we we think would be in the cards, and with a a certain acquisition that that happened earlier today which we will get to later it looks like the wings the the wide midfield spots might be covered and Chris Pontius could well be playing forward for a majority of this year yeah it's certainly um looking like a distinct possibility we don't know um how long Eddie Johnson's going to be out that's still completely a variable um it sounds like the team also is treating that as a uh, a complete variable um Luis Silva hasn't been able to train yet, so in, at least in the early part of the season, um, I think Pontius is going to have to play as a forward. Um, David Estrada isn't on the roster. Connor Doyle, uh, I don't think we see him. As, anyone's going to see him as a starter um, at this point. Michael Seaton is injured right now, so he can't make a bid to um, – Give him so this would be a great moment for him to be fit, but of course he's had bad luck getting injured right when this sort of thing happens. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, adding adding Michael Farfan uh, certainly opens the door for that. It certainly means spoiler that, alert, right? Um, <laughs> Jeez, Jason, I tease it, and you just go out there and you just now, break the news all over. Now there's 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 going to be a lack of artifice on this show, guys. I'm just going to be like a plug object. Um, 
So, uh, it certainly covers us um, with Rolf um, looking more and more like he's going to be a left midfielder almost all of the time. I know last season when Pontius did come back, we actually saw a little more of Pontius playing wide and Rolf um, pushing up into where Silva had been once Silva got hurt. Um, it looks like we're going to go in a different direction, probably because we need a few different things. Um, and also this team was at its best with Rolf playing left midfield, if we're being honest. So um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily predict that Pontius is going to be a forward all year long by any means. I know that's not what you're saying, Adam. Um, but uh, I would say at least for March and maybe into April, uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he was making most of his appearances, if not all of them, as a, as a forward of some kind. Yeah, I know the reason I, I've been calling for Pontius to to move to spend more time at forward for a while now. And his 2012 season, which was a best 11 season in MLS, <laughs> he scored career high in goals. A lot of those came in the relatively small number of games he played as a forward rather than as a left midfielder. So I think I think there's some real benefit to moving him up top if he can recapture the form he had in 2012. Um, the hat trick he scored against the Red Bulls in the rain game at RFK <laughs> was playing forward. Uh, so I think that there's... I, I would like to see him succeed as a forward. I'd like to see him succeed anywhere, obviously. But I think that there's a good chance he'll succeed as a forward in this early part of the season, and he might end up playing there the rest of the year as well, which... You know, wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing in the world or the worst situation. Uh, newcomer Marcus Halstey has finally taken the field for the black and red, playing in central midfield as expected. He could slide back into central defense. He's done that before um, back in Sweden and for Finland. But it looks like he's going to be a midfielder here for DC United. Um, Jason, what did you make of Halstey's initial impression? Uh he looks pretty sharp, um, positionally very smart, um, big on intercepting the ball. He, he's smart enough to make the game easy for himself, which is always a good sign in central midfield. Um, everyone obviously values work rate in central midfield, um, but it's it's nice to see a guy who doesn't who isn't obviously having to um, just work at 100% every second of the game just to keep up with the game. Um, the soccer IQ is pretty high where he allows himself to be in a spot where he's already in place to make a play rather than having to uh, sprint 10, 15 yards to make the play. Um, he is a little more, or at least in these initial games, and, and it's preseason, so it's it's a huge grain of salt you'll need, but he's playing a little deeper than I thought. Um, partnering Davey Arnaud, he's been the deeper player of the two, um, which has been kind of an interesting thing. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily just a um, a thought with Olsen with those two as a pairing, which one would take up the deeper role, um, or if that's maybe turning into the full-time plan. Um, I know Halsey said that he wanted to be more of a um, box-to-box player, um, but uh, it's, it's uh, going to be an interesting and developing situation, I would say, um, especially with... Um, you know, poss- a possible use in central defense as well, uh, being on the table. Um, I would I would generally say that I was pretty pleased with what I saw. He looks like um, a very smart player. Obviously, he's uh, he's got size. He's got a center back size. Um, 
I would have liked to see United be a little more assertive um, as far as pressing higher um, in those games, but in terms of his defensive work, uh, I can't really complain. And, and the possession uh, overall was was decent when it came to him. I, I don't think United's issues, um, they got out-possessed a little by Malmo. I don't think that was a fault of the central midfield. All right, there's a lot more we could talk about for these three games, but I would like to keep the show moving, so we're just going to leave it there, and we will pick up with observations from Austin next week. Right now, though, we are going to move on to the roster and talk about some some changes we've seen in the roster. Obviously, um, there are some still injuries and health issues. Eddie Johnson is still out with a health issue. We... It, Reporting and, and conjecture seem to be that it's a, a heart issue, the same thing that kept him out, uh, kept him from starting against the Red Bulls in the playoffs last year uh, in that second leg. So from Ben Olsen's comments, this is actually uh, a major health issue, not a can he play or can he not issue. It's a will he ever play again kind of issue potentially. So all the best to EJ for... Uh, a, a full recovery, and hopefully he can get back on the field and and play this game again. Um, other players that are out include Luis Silva, Bill Hamid, Andrew Dykstra, all of whom I think we could see on the field in Austin during this tournament. Um, ben, how excited are you to see Bill Hamid on the field for the first time in 2015? Um, I, I would say that you can't hold my you can't hold my excitement back. That would be my main description of it. That's what you would say? That, that, would say that, that is what I would say. Okay. Yes, 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 I would. Could you phrase it more awkwardly for our listeners? I probably could if I tried. Because <laughs> you, 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 you got pretty good. It was pretty awkward there. If, I mean, if you would say it, you, you can say it. We'll, we'll allow you to say it. <laughs> That's the issue. No, obviously, I, I mean, yes, obviously... Like the the commentariat of uh, Black and Red United is starting to get a little antsy about Bill Hamid's continued absence, so I am excited to see him come back and uh, put all of those worries to bed. And hopefully, his shoulder is a hundred percent and ready to go, and he's ready to uh, single handedly carry the team to the Concacaf Champions League uh, title. There you go. Um... Jason, am I out of bounds in my thinking that Luis Silva could be ready to to see the field, or did I? I feel like I read that somewhere, but I might be that might be wishful thinking on my part. Um, I, I think it's still probably going to be an up in the air thing. Um, the fact that he hasn't played even so much as ten minutes uh, in the preseason is kind of an indicator that it might be a little while. Um, but you know, there's three more games and. Maybe the idea is to make sure he plays. Maybe not against Austin, um, which is uh, th- we're recording on the 10th. That's in three days from now. But maybe he'll play a little in the the game on the 15th, which uh, will be against either Columbus or Dallas. Um, and then uh, we play Dallas again. Where th- we know we play Dallas um, a few days after that. Maybe in those two games, um, we'll see him start to get work. Um, it is sort of a a little bit of a concern as far as him, him being able to start against Alo Valencia in both legs. Um, at this point, he might not be he might not be able to build enough fitness to give us an hour, um, which is, in all honesty, what he he usually only gets sixty to seventy minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, he might not be able to guarantee an hour. And and I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but um, I would generally try to avoid starting a player who can't reliably give you one hour of, of starting soccer, just in case there are injuries and red cards and such. Um, uh, so so I'm wondering if, if he might not be on the subs bench uh, in the first leg. Um, and then depending on how the first leg goes, uh, we could see Olsen roll the dice on him in the second leg, and maybe he can only give um, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, at that point, we don't, we don't know. But a, a lot will be made uh, clear in those last two preseason games, I think, um, as far as Silva's fitness. But certainly I would have liked to hear that he was at least in consideration to play in Florida. Um, he was there. Uh, he was training. Um, we actually had a story on the site where Luis Silva was giving directions to um, – fans on where to watch the preseason game against Malmo. So uh, he's definitely there. Um, we have it confirmed. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was on an exercise bike at the time, which is not the same thing as training full out. Um, so, I, so I think, you know, by the end, a week from now, we'll know a lot more, I think, that about where Silva's fitness is, whereas right now it still seems like it might be uh, a little bit um, up in the air. On the trialist front, Diego Restrepo and Ricardo Aneta, two trialists who are in uh, for that third goalkeeper spot, the backup backup, basically the Richmond Kickers goalkeeper spot. They are both out, and Travis Wara, an undrafted rookie free agent out of the University of New Hampshire, is now the only keeper in camp uh, who is not Bill Hamid or Andrew Dykstra. Apparently there'll be one or two more joining the team down in Austin for tryouts, but it looks like Andrew Wara, who I think played, what, he played the full 90 in that last preseason yeah. game. He yeah, Travis Wara. Travis Wara. Uh, what did I say? Andrew. Uh, Travis Wara. It looks like he has the, he, he's right now the favorite um, and only contender for that third goalkeeper spot. Uh, in defense, both Fuddy Danso uh, and Sean St. Ledger are out. The only remaining defensive trialist is Rashawn McKenzie, unless we want to include Florida Man, mystery number 37, <laughs> who played all three games for DC yeah. United uh, down in Florida without ever being identified. And also, I asked a DC United representative specifically about him, and they could not tell me what his name was. So it is just Florida man. Yeah, he is Florida man. He is number 37. He is a legend. He is a hero. It's le- it's left shark. He's basically, yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's, he he's, looks more competent than left shark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he's less flailing than left yeah, shark. Florida for, man did for not. For better get, or worse. Yeah. He didn't get cut from camp because other, player, other players played worse than him. Um, so whoever he is, we don't uh, know if he got cut from camp. We might see well, number 37 well, on the field in Austin. He did, he did last... What I'm saying is he did last longer than some other players that were going for defensive spots. Um, he lasted longer than an Irish international. That's true. It's true. Uh, St. Ledger, incidentally, uh, just as a throwaway aside, uh, is now on trial with Orlando City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he didn't he have to go very far for that right. one. Well, yeah, because I'm sure they have the international spots to sign another international. Actually... Hashtag might, not. Well, they've well, traded the, for enough. They might one, actually. One have of the guy, one of the um, players Orlando was pursuing, uh, Paulo Andre, a Brazilian center back, actually signed with Cruzeiro in Brazil, which is basically like signing for the Galaxy. 
um, that's a, a year-in, year-out contender. So that would have been a huge acquisition for them, but now they're looking for a guy that, for whatever reason, we didn't sign. St. Ledger looked like a good player, but maybe... Um, Not for two hundred or $300,000. Right. Um, cha- English championship wages uh, not going to work for us, given that he wouldn't be starting. He wasn't starting in the championship either, for what it's worth. That's true. Yeah. Uh, finally, Ben, I know you're going to be bummed out. Rod Diachenko is out of camp. He's no longer with DC United. He will not be signed for a second slash third stint with the black and red. Yeah. Um, he and Long Tan can be the forward pairing of my dreams. You know we're That's stepping all. on open wide's turf there by referencing Long Tan. I mean, Seth and Pablo might break down my door any second now just for mentioning his name. Well, luckily I'm far, <laughs> I, I'm far south enough that they won't bother you're not giving, me. You're not giving Ben a disincentive to uh, keep going. <laughs> that That's point. a good point. <laughs> Excuse me, Long Tan trademark open wide for some soccer. There you go. Finally, there is going to be another new face in camp when DC United arrives in Austin. His name is Michael Farfan. You might remember him from the Philadelphia Union. He most recently played for Cruz Azul down in Mexico where he played one time. He played one game for Cruz Azul. Shortly after he was signed, there was some kind of very somewhat... It always happens to some Mexican team in a year. Random, crazy upheaval and it was Cruz's turn to get run through the ringer, and so Michael Farfan, immediately after being signed, was basically surplus to requirements. He played one game for them, scored a goal, incidentally, in that game, so a very nice return uh, for Cruz's in his appearances. Jason, what do you make of this signing? He, he's, uh, he's played everywhere in midfield, basically, except defensive midfield, but he's probably best used on the outside, which is a position United seems to have some good cover at already. Yeah, um, I was actually going through uh, early. I didn't go through all of it, but I was looking through some of my old um, lineups from the years he was with the Union, just trying to figure out where they used him the most. Um, And he actually has played a surprising amount on the left, at least for the first half of 2013, which is all I really got through. Um, So, But we have to keep in mind that this was the John Hackworth Philadelphia Union where... Uh, the lineup you started a game with uh, was changed maybe four or five times during the match um, for for good reasons and also often for no apparent reason. Um, so it, it's really hard to say um, where he played best for them. Um, I know he spent some time in the middle and it wasn't great, but I don't know that that was all his fault. Um, I think maybe the union were just bad in general, and so everyone kind of looked bad at that point. Um for us, I, I imagine we're going to see him more at right or left midfield, um, depending on the situation. Uh, he's definitely a lot like Nick DeLeon, um, which incidentally is what Miguel Aguilar start was was sounding like. Um, but uh, you know, a player like Farfan falls in your lap, and um, Ben Olsen uh, coached him in the All-Star game when it was in Philadelphia um, and had been very public in in noting that he, because Farfan was included in that as a commissioner's pick because he was the union player doing the best at the time. This was right after Peter Novak got fired, which is why Olsen was coaching the team in the first place. Um, otherwise, it would have been, um, if, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, Philadelphia was hosting the game, but yep. 
Um, Olsen was brought in because Philadelphia's coaching situation was even more of a mess than it normally is. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, usually the, the host team's manager, yeah. their coach, coaches the All-Stars. This year it'll be Pablo Mastorani coaching yeah. the All-Stars in, in Colorado, unless he gets fired, in which case it might actually be Jeff Kassar from RSL because he's the next closest. <laughs> the guy that Hashtag can Peter Novak. <laughs> um, but but uh, also made a point in saying that he, he didn't feel like Farfan was out of place just because he got called in by the commissioner. Um, and and he was in, in excellent form at the time as well. Um, I think that's maybe the question with him. Um, I think he has a higher ceiling than DeLeon. Um, DeLeon, uh, when he was as a rookie, I thought DeLeon's ceiling was, was going to be much higher. Um, now he's he's a solid MLS midfielder. He's pretty good. I don't think he's necessarily going to become a national team player uh, anytime soon. Um, Farfan isn't either, but I think he's got a slight edge on DeLeon. Uh, he's a little more of a skillful player. He's a little more creative. Uh, he's he's a little more willing to take on uh, the little extra responsibility as a creative player. Um, he'll uh, not necessarily pass the buck. Um, when an attacking move, there, when there's some danger... Uh, that that a creative player is going to take charge and and grab the ball and, and do something with it, he is more likely to be that guy. Um, he does work hard. He's not a um, by any means he's he's not a, a a stereotypical attacking player that doesn't really provide much defensive work. Uh, the union even used him at right back a few times, um, which was very confusing because he has a brother uh, who also played for the union and could also play right back. But that's that's the Philadelphia Union. Um, through and through, you know, in its own way. Um, so, so I think he's going to play pretty frequently. I think Nick DeLeon is going to have to be very sharp to keep his his starting job. Um, I think DeLeon might provide a little more balance uh, when Chris Roth is on the left, but it's it's only by a very small degree. So, I, I think it's thrown uh, the starting lineup into at least some question. I'm not saying that he's definitely going to start by any means, but. Um, it's definitely no longer as straightforward at right midfield as it was before, where De Leon was clearly the starter and Aguilar was clearly the backup. Um, I think now we're going to have a, a pretty strong competition for that job for, for the foreseeable future. And that's exactly what you want. And to, to get that basically on, you know, just a, a bolt out of the blue, get a player like Michael Farfan just for nothing, essentially. Uh, pretty nice situation to be in. I'm surprised he he dropped as far down the allocation order as he did, given that he wow. he's had a successful run in MLS before. Yeah, I, I would guess that because and he's he, an American player, he doesn't use up right. an international spot. Um, and, and when he was uh, being, or I, I guess it was a month ago that I started I started seeing a couple things that he was looking at um, interest from the Swiss League somewhere in the Swiss League and somewhere in Scandinavia as well as MLS. So I'm going to guess that his salary is probably a little more than it was when he left the league. Um, it might be a lot more, um, or it may be that other teams just did not uh, have the interest for whatever reason. Um, maybe a lot of teams feel like their wide midfield roles are, are set up. I mean, picking 12th in the allocation order used to be pretty much the end, and now it's actually the middle. Um, it's not quite as silly as um, who was it that just went last week or so uh, at like seventeenth in the allocation order. Carlos um, Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, rest assured, uh, this is not a Carlos Ruiz uh, selection. This is not 
neither in terms of ability nor in the like karmic realm where we're clearly committing some sort of grave uh, moral wrong and we paid for it all of 2013. Um, Farfan is not Carlos Ruiz, and that's something we should all be thankful for. <laughs> Let's move on now to uh, new threads. DC United unveiled their new secondary jersey um, Sunday at a season ticket holder event in Georgetown at a bar called Pinstripes that has bowling and bocce and lots of space for season ticket holders to meet the team and all that. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have seen the the new shirt. It is mostly white, but the, the front of it is red at the top with lines transitioning to white at the bottom. Um a big thing that's been a, a hot issue, some people really love it, some people, like Jason here, really, really don't, is the lenticular crest. That's the word, right? Lenticular? Yes. It's, it's a crest that they've taken all the color out, so it's just black and white. And then they've, uh, in the black behind the, the eagle, they've put little holographic eagles that move in such a way that it looks like they ha- are have depth. They're way behind the eagle, not just flat on, on the surface. It does look kind of cool. Uh, um, I'm, I'm of two minds about flattening the crest to black and white like that, but I can live with it. Uh, Jason, I know you have thoughts, so very quickly, tell us what you think of the lenticular crest. I think a team's crest or badge or logo, whatever word you end up wanting to use, I think that's like that's how you, that's your face to the world. That's what you show everyone, and you pick one, and that's it. And if you're going to change it, change it, change the whole thing for everything. Um, but don't change it just for one jersey, just because it sort of goes with the colors better. Um, it's it's something that I knew we were going to eventually have to deal with because Adidas did it with Seattle. And they did it with Portland, and no they one complained it. out there. They also do um, it with Chelsea every year. On Chelsea's second right. or third kit, they they do some neon right. color and change the blue in Chelsea's yeah. logo to whatever neon color of the day. And, and and no one thinks of a team like Chelsea as being neon pink with a black background. That's not who they are. They are royal blue and white. Um, DC United, yes, okay, it's it's a it's not new colors. It's not colors that aren't already part of the existing badge, but I still don't think it should have been messed with. I think the existing badge should be in place on any anything official that the team's going to wear to take the field with. It should be unchanged and unadulterated, regardless if we wear um, green or, you know, the cat in the hat jersey comes back. Um, I think we should still stick with the same badge that we have on everything, especially because we're a team that uses the word tradition so often. Um, but in general, I would feel that way regardless of, my team's background, um, so I, I, I don't I don't think it's ugly. Um, the crest itself, I don't think it's ugly. I just don't think it should have been changed, regardless, unless you're going to change it permanently on everything. Um, so I, I guess you 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 only want to know about the crest and not about the jersey. So I'll let, I'll I'll let it go now. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the jersey is it's definitely a different look for DC United, who've traditionally worn all white. Um, with without a lot of red, maybe some red trim here and there, but not a ton of red. Nothing like we're seeing on on this year's away shirt. Um, Nathan Fry, the the head of merchandise for DC United, went on record as saying that this is a new direction for the team with regards to their secondary kit. Their the primary will remain black, all black, and will remain very traditional. 
whereas from now on it sounds like the away kit, the the white one, or maybe it won't always be white, but the secondary will be a little bit more experimental, let, let the designers get a little more creative. Ben, I really like this idea because I like the traditional, but I also like seeing new and interesting things, not just for other teams, but for us. And this way we kind of get the best of both worlds. Do you Exa- do you agree with that? Yes, I do. I mean, obviously, you can't really improve upon or change the black kit. The black kit is iconic. It's wonderful. It would the only thing that could make it slightly better would be three stripes, but there's a whole trademark Adidas issue with that, so that's not gonna come back. But the general idea of the white of the black kit is amazing, and at least for the last five five plus years, nobody has been really happy with the secondary kit, with the white kit. Because white sucks. White is the LA Galaxy. White is boring. White is England. So why, <laughs> why not have some fun with it? Why not do something different? I mean, I would prefer a fully red kit as the secondary jersey, or let's say primarily red kit with maybe some white highlights as the secondary jersey. But if you can't get that, why not be adventurous? Why not be bold? Why not do something different? I do agree with Jason that they should have left the crest the same because the crest is the crest. But other than that, I'm fine with just going crazy with the uh, with the secondary kit. And, yeah, I'm excited to see the players in it this year. I kind of like it. I think it'll be cool. Yeah, I think I, I'm i more with you guys on the crest when it comes to colors. I don't like seeing the colors messed with. But especially with a secondary or even a third jersey, uh, which DC United doesn't have and hasn't had since those blood and nobody, red... And really nobody hits. in MLS does third jerseys anymore. I think uh, Adidas which, is like, nope. Which is yep. dumb. Yes, I agree. <laughs> they, should, they should make a requirement. You need to be in, in a... A, an outside competition. You need to be in Champions League play, then you get a third jersey. That would be nice. Or you then need we to have, have one. Or you need to have existed for at least 12 years. <laughs> you don't get to enter with a third jersey. So we seem to have had some technical difficulties, and and it, during the, the battle that ensued, we lost Jason Anderson. He um, He fought bravely but ultimately he has fallen. So we we will finish what's left of this episode without him before turning to the dark arts to hopefully bring him back from the dead for, for next week because this show's just not the same without him. We're going to skip uh, our national team conversations uh, about the men's win against Panama and the women's loss in France. Um, we... we We'll try to get back, circle back to those next week, but Boo- we are going to talk about one more thing tonight. Boo Jurgen, Boo Jill Ellis. Yeah, that, that sufficed that for the entire conversation. We are going to talk about the uh, collective bargaining agreement in Major League Soccer. The CBA has expired. Um, the players have agreed not to strike until basically the season starts, uh, and the owners have agreed not to lock them out until the season starts. At that point, if there's no agreement in place, who the hell knows? Um, There wasn't a lot of reason to start worrying, even though the two sides were pretty far apart, until some quotes today 
from Bobby Boswell, who is DC United's union representative, and Davey Arno, who is a veteran of the league. He's been on three different teams, captain two of them, and also is is involved. He He's one of the players, when they talk about players who spent their entire careers in MLS and deserve to be able to choose where they go, he's the kind of guy that they meant that they mean, that the players mean. They told Steve Goff today that the players and the league are still a long way apart, and and Boswell in particular said that he's not sure there's going to be enough time between now and the start of the season to work everything out. They both reiterated their support for and belief that the players are unified and would strike if they don't have a deal in place come the start of the season. Um, and, and obviously a work stoppage is bad for everyone, but the players need to get what they feel they need to get. And so uh, they are willing to strike to get it. And, and what it is that they want is free agency. So Ben, what, what do you want to have to add to this? Other than I mean, that yeah. sad face you're making right now. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 very that. When push comes to shove, I don't think a work stoppage is going to happen. I in my gut, I don't think I definitely don't think the owners are going to lock the players out. I see no possibility of that happening. But when push comes to shove, I just don't think the players are actually going to strike. Uh I I am fine with them using their current rhetoric. I'm fine with them threatening to strike. And if push comes to shove, if they want to strike, I'm probably behind them doing that too. But I think it's going to be like 2010. I think they're going to get a deal done at the very last moment, and this season will proceed as it's supposed to happen. I have no evidence as to why that's going to happen, but... That's just my gut at this point. Yeah, in 2010, what happened the last time around is the players basically had no uh, freedom of movement whatsoever um, to the point that if you, if the team you played for made you some kind of pittance of an offer and you said, no, I don't want to take that, they would retain your rights within MLS no matter what. And if you wanted to go play for someone else, in the league, that team would have to trade your old team something of value to get your rights. And so a guy like Kevin Hartman was basically held in limbo yep. and couldn't yep. play until Dallas traded to Kansas City for his rights. And, Her- and Hercules Gomez is still caught in this limbo. Well, I don't know if that's going to change because he he left the league and went to another team. He went to another league. He went to Mexico to play. And, and so... It, it, who knows what kind of an offer that made. I in who I don't know if he had enough time in the league anyway for it to make much of a difference under whatever right, rubric but, they end up but getting. On the, but on the principle of the thing, it's yeah. similar. Yeah, so the players want some kind of free agency, especially for veterans who've been around for a while, so that they can right. they can move. What we got out of twenty ten was the reentry draft, which we all know now. Uh, and DC United used it to great effect to rebuild before the 2014 season. Um, players, The players, turns out, don't like the re-entry draft because Shock. it ends up... 
yeah, it ends up not giving them what they really wanted out of free agency. And so now what they're asking for is actual free agency. I think what we might end up seeing is some of the same tiers that are used in the reentry draft where players with who are over 25 with 8 years or over 28 with 8 years experience in the league can have unrestricted free agency players with who are a little younger and with less experience have some kind of restricted free agency and then everyone else is basically uh, tied to whatever team has their rights. Right, and it, that, that's kind of like what baseball does. Yeah, exactly. But just with, I mean, baseball does it with younger ages, but yeah, right. it's kind of like what baseball does, and I see that happening at some point in MLS. Uh, yeah, the league it's, says... Whether it's this time around, uh, we'll see. I mean, yes, the, the league says that they're still losing money, but they're television deal this time around has given them a lot less leg to stand on. I think that's what the players are uh, glomming on to, is the fact that MLS is making these giant TV deals, but still claiming poverty when they come to the table with the players. Yeah, and they're also getting big expansion fees and and building new stadiums and and all these things, but they don't want to pay the players. And, And one of the things that has gotten the league this far is cost control, and unfortunately that means player salaries are lower than they would be otherwise. And the league says we are not going to create a situation where owners, where teams within the league are bidding against each other for the same player. And who knows how much of that happens now if... I think some of that happened with Jermaine Jones, and they both agreed on a price that they'd be willing to pay... They, they bid each other up to a certain point and then said, okay, let's stop and flip a coin for him. Yeah. And that's how I mean, ended it ended up in New England instead of Chicago. But I, I think that there is some bidding now, and it's just we don't – the league doesn't want to do that for American players who are already in the league. They're willing to do that for, for some big-time players who aren't in the league already. And that's, that's the players' big issue. It's we are – devoting our careers to this league and you are treating us like commodities and not like people. And I think there's something to that. Right. And they're also now for the, for really the first time having pressure from uh, players who have left for Liga MX after having their options uh, unilaterally extended, they're starting to push uh, legal battles against the league. FIFA has always been threatening to come in and, change those kinds of structures so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting moment for the league with yeah. with regard to their uh contract rules and to see if they uh continue to hold muster against uh legally against what FIFA wants and what uh, uh US law allows well right now the i think one of the reasons well certainly one of the reasons the league doesn't want free agency is because that would kind of take the last veneer of the single entity legal structure out of play for them, and it would be much easier for a court to say, no, you are not a single entity, you are several different clubs who should be competing with each other. And that's where the collective bargaining agreement actually would protect them. What they've been doing is a belt and suspenders approach, where they have the, the antitrust protection of being a single entity with that old court case and and the legal protection and antitrust of a collective bargaining agreement. 
um, which is an exception to antitrust enforcement when it comes to labor. So there's there's a lot of different considerations going on. Whether you think some of them are valid or not, there are a lot of different considerations going on. Hopefully, they do not conspire to create a work stoppage and prevent us from watching MLS in an increasingly small number of days, increasingly small, decreasingly large, whatever turn of awkward turn of phrase you think is appropriate for this situation. <laughs> exactly. And on, I need my MLS. I need my MLS. And and on that jonesing note, I think we're going to end it. I need my precious. Thank you all for listening to the show this week. Uh, I don't have my, my show closing notes in front of me now. I should have it memorized, but I always use the notes. You should. Uh, thank you all for listening. Find us or send your hate mail to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Black and Red U, at filibuster. DCU. We are on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud. Um, we are wherever good podcasts are sold. Um, you were going to say something? No. Okay. Well, finish. Get us out of here, please. I don't know how I'm going to finish without Jason here. I guess I guess, you know, it's for, for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. Um, can't believe I'm going to say this. Say goodbye, Ben. Goodbye, Jason. 